No one ever saw this coming, but here we are, bonded forever by the same ex-husband. Once arch enemies and now partners in crime, we journey to the edge of sanity to uncover the dark truth about our ex-husband. My name is Athena. And I'm Amber. And we are the creators of Ex-Wives Undercover. This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Season 1, Episode 12. Give me liberty or give me death. As I return back home, I park in the driveway and walk into my home. I realize that I don't even remember the entire drive home from Seattle to Kirkland. I sit down on a stool at my kitchen counter and I stare off into nothingness for what feels like forever. I don't cry. I don't feel sad or even mad. I am completely blank. Then you came home, you're on fire, you want a divorce, then your Canadian friend bitch reached out to me. Yep. Um, then your friend, friend Biatch, betrayed you too. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Biatch is everywhere. Biatch is <laughs> everywhere. So you gave him a, the boot, gave the friend the boot. Yeah. And yeah. I ended it having a mental breakdown. Oh my God. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> Before this new information regarding my best friend's betrayal was revealed, I had been strategizing on how to get Ben to sign the divorce papers and get him out of my home. Now, the wind had left my sails, leaving me lifeless. It's not that I didn't want to move forward with the divorce. I very much wanted to. I just couldn't seem to process anything, or physically do any more, than what my daily routine usually consisted of. It was like my mind wasn't functioning correctly. I couldn't think straight. I felt lifeless, and I was honestly holding on by a thread at this point. I was mentally weaker than I had ever been, and it scared me. I had been through so much already over the years, but thankfully, I always had the strong inner strength that pulled me through, even in my darkest times. And I was waiting for that inner strength to ignite within me, but it didn't. Each morning for the next few months, I hoped that I would wake up and feel like myself again. Day after day, it was the same thing. I woke up, got ready, woke the children up, and got them dressed. Next, I fed the girls, I packed their lunches, got their coats, shoes and backpacks on, and then dropped them off to daycare and school, and then I headed to work. Ben wasn't sure what to make of everything, but he kept his head down and tried to be as helpful, kind, and loving towards me as I'd allow. I know my actions must have been sending mixed signals, so I made sure to verbally communicate that the divorce was still happening. I believe he hoped that I would forgive and forget like I had done so many times before. But I knew I was not going back. There was no way in hell that was happening. After a few more months and still feeling emotionless, I decided to get back on an antidepressant. The medication definitely started to kick in after a few weeks, and I found myself being able to tackle tasks that had been neglected for months. 
You must have thought that because you weren't pulling the plug right off the bat that everything was a-okay and that he was going to once again, you know, win you back or have that opportunity to win you back. Was that the vibe you got? Uh, you know, I even wrote in the chapter, like, he kept his head down and didn't bring it up. You weren't having sex. You weren't. Yeah, nothing. none of that. Yeah. Living in separate bedrooms. I just physically couldn't handle anything at that at that point. So it was just a stagnant phase. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, he probably did have ideas of what he, you know, I'd said threats before and I never followed through. Never divorced, but you know, hey, we weren't married. So- I will say when I got betrayed, I remember sitting and crying and he just walked up to me and hugged me. And I was crying because I was hurt by both of those two, but he just happened to be standing there. I wasn't sane enough. I wasn't with it enough to actually go through the motions of it. But one thing for sure is true. And that is I 100% knew I was divorcing him, which I know I've said before, but I prove it this time. I said it like 500 times. (laughs) I swear I'm getting a divorce. One week afternoon, I decided to contact Ben regarding a letter we had received in the mail. I called his cell phone and there was no answer, so I dialed the direct phone number to his desk at work. I was thrown off when another man's voice answered Ben's phone. I politely said, hello, and that I was Athena, Ben's wife, and that I was just trying to reach him. That's when this man introduces himself to me as the owner of the company but I hear a sound of nervousness and confusion in his voice. He then asked me if I was aware that Ben was no longer employed there. My mind goes a million miles a minute trying to make sense of what he had just told me. I am honest with him and tell him that I had no idea. This is when he says to me, Athena, I need to ask you a question. And I mean no disrespect, and I know this is a very sensitive topic, but I have to ask you this. I am completely oblivious about what he is about to ask me. I tell him to go ahead and ask. He starts off by telling me that Ben had been fired because he was caught doing unethical and illegal business dealings. I told him that I had no idea about any of this. I could tell he could sense the shock in my voice. Next, I ask him when this all happened. He tells me that he let him go almost two weeks ago. I am stunned. Where the hell has Ben been going this entire time while he was pretending to go to work Monday through Friday? The next question that Ben's boss asks me completely takes me by surprise. He stumbles over his words and then timidly asks, do you have cancer? I paused before answering. I am now legally married to Ben and whatever trouble he has gotten into will be tied directly to me. I calmly ask this man why he is asking me that question. This is when he tells me that Ben had gone to all of their large accounts and had presented them with new updated contracts that needed to be signed. Ben had changed the contracts and had swapped out the company's banking information with his own personal bank information. This portion of the contract directed these companies where to wire their payment of services received. It was obviously supposed to state the original company's bank information and so that immediately raised red flags within these individuals. 
Next, this man says that a few of their clients reached out to him directly to make sure that this was all legit before they signed. All I could think right then was how thankful I was that this did not go any further. If this had actually happened and the money was physically wired into Ben's account, the repercussions legally would have been even more extreme. I then ask what me having cancer has to do with any of this. This is when he tells me that once he finds out everything, he brings Ben into his office. When he tells Ben that he is aware of everything that he had done, Ben becomes emotional and proceeds to tell his boss that I have cancer and that I need a life-saving surgery and that we just really need the money for it. Ben tells him that he was distraught and not thinking clearly, but that he was going to put the money back into the business account as soon as he was paid a few large commissions. I literally cannot believe what I'm hearing. What is wrong with this man? Why is Ben such a scheming liar? Suddenly, I felt something I hadn't in months. Rage. I kept saying, okay, where are the medical benefits? But he lied about yeah. it. When I found out one of his excuses was, well, you were so freaked out about not having medical benefits. And I just thought, man, I'm doing all this work. So fuck this guy. I should be getting paid that much. He made excuses for his behavior and what he did. There was no way he wasn't going to get caught. That do It doesn't even make sense. He I must know. have been on a major manic episode because there was no way that his boss wouldn't find out within a matter of weeks, regardless. And that's not something Although, you could talk away of. You were saying that the only reason the boss knew was that a client had tipped him off and called just to confirm that they should be signing off on these new paperwork. So maybe I wonder if but he no, would have. But listen, okay, so they're they're offering these services, right? They get paid, wired commissions or whatever, they get paid. So it would only have taken a matter of a week or two before the owners saw his business account banking information and went, okay, where's True. payment? Yeah. He's in charge of the financials, not Ben. It just uh, shows and demonstrates bit. that not thinking correctly. Not thinking correctly. Yeah. And he was making decent money, right? So was there any huge need for him to start funneling money? Yeah, I um, thought because, about that. You know, was I... there like some kind of an emergency like where he needed this extra money because he basically told his boss when he got caught that you had cancer yeah. and that you guys were financially in trouble and that you really needed the money. But we obviously knew that he didn't pay for half his trip to Italy because he <laughs> claimed fraud on his credit cards. <laughs> The fire under my ass had been lit again, and I was now determined to do everything that I needed to, to be legally detached from Ben forever. I got into my car and I drove straight to downtown Seattle. I walked into the King County Courthouse and I filed the divorce paperwork in March of 2012. I made copies of the divorce documents so that when Ben got home, I could serve him his copies. Once Ben walked in the door, he made his way to the kitchen where I had just finished cooking dinner. I told him that I had called his work today. I looked at his face, waiting to see his reaction. He tried to come up with some story, but I stopped him. I didn't even want to waste time hearing his voice anymore. I told him that I knew everything, and how dare he bring me into his illegal schemes. I reminded him that the illegal activities that he involved himself in affect me as well because we are married. And that's when I hand Ben his copy of the divorce papers. He looks defeated and says nothing. I walked away from him. 
I went upstairs to my bedroom and I start to figure out how I was going to get him to sign the parenting plan. I really did not want to spend the money on an attorney, so I just hoped and prayed that he would agree with everything I'd written down. You're waiting to find that spark in yourself. Like, I know I have this inner fire in me. Where the fuck is it? Waiting for it. So you get on some meds, which Mm -hmm. I applaud you for doing because a lot of people don't. Um, And we've actually had, you know, some people on our listeners reach out like, you know, I also had to get on something and there's no shame in that game. If you're going through something like that, like I did, there's no shame in that. You've already almost lost your home because of this guy. So now being his wife, what are you, what could you possibly be in trouble for if he's, you know what I mean? Like you're tied financially. I so do you, that you, shit in yeah. a heartbeat. Like, what can I get in trouble for? Blah, 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 blah. Could you have gotten yeah. in trouble for oh, the... Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Really? For what he did? They yeah. would have sued both of us. My assets, oh my, my house. Yeah. And when so, later, so everything, I had things of his fall back on me that I didn't even know about. On my, They put liens against my house. So I, oh when I God. sold my house, I had to pay off his shit that I didn't even know about. Right. Well, that happened. The one, the too, steroid remember? treatment, his steroid treatment. That he didn't go to. Uh-huh. That went into collections and then uh-huh. got put but under he did. you. But he so how did he get put under Or bail bonds. How did it get put under you, though? Because <laughs> it was under him, but because we're married, they can go after the spouse right after. If oh, my we gosh. Are one. Yeah. Yeah. So any girls that are thinking about marrying Ben, think twice. I mean, I don't think he'll ever actually legally marry anyone else again. No. He will do it fraudulently and fake. He'll do a fake, <laughs> a fake marriage. Ring. Fake ring, $29.99, baby. Fake baby. marriage with a fake ring. Maybe $19.99 this time. <laughs> no, but he will never get married again. Legally, I, I would highly doubt that. But at least that set the fire. So you like finally felt that like I'm doing it and I have a reason that I need to pull the plug. Filed. I filled it out. I physically made sure any last pieces were filled out and I got in my car and I turned it into the courthouse, got it all stamped off, made the copies, served him that evening. What was his response? Um, sad, emotional, crying, begging, pleading, but didn't even care. Did you say that the reason was the final reason being what you found out at work and was he trying to backtrack and he say, knew but that- it was gonna yeah he didn't have to he we i don't feel like we really had to have that exact conversation because i've made it very clear on a regular basis this was happening um even when i wasn't pl- completely pulling the trigger i'd be like make sure you find somewhere to live even before all that and so yeah he I wasn't mean- caught off guard that way i think he was he was hopeful that things might change but i i never let him to believe otherwise and then when he physically saw the papers and why I did it that day, he knew that's exactly what exactly why. It was because mm-hmm. I will not let the fucking crazy shit you do affect me and my credit anymore. Yeah. I'm done. So just to set the stage for the listeners, you got married in July of 2011, found out about the girl from Canada immediately after. You went on your honeymoon in September of 2011. March of 2012, you formally yes. filed your... Divorce paperwork, although it took another year before it was finalized. While going through all of this divorce drama, Ben calls me to let me know that CPS has taken Opal away from Daisy. 
He goes on to explain to me that she was left unattended and that because he had previously called CPS on her so many times that they felt it was time that Opal be given to her father to care for her for a while. That would allow Daisy to get everything in order and get ready for baby Opal to be returned. The thing is that baby Opal was no longer a baby. She was a full-fledged toddler. Three, I believe. And now, her and Sydney would get to hang out together and be around each other. The hard part was that Ben and I were getting divorced. I knew that I could not form an attachment to this little girl when I would not be in her life much longer. However, I did know that my daughter and this little girl were sisters. So... I agreed to help. The interesting part was as soon as Opal arrived, Ben was freaking out. He could not handle caring for two children. He was panicking, he was overwhelmed, he was losing his temper. He could not there. handle taking care of her. He would have meltdowns. I had to do all the work. Okay. And oh, and yeah. my oldest had to help and she was sweet and easy. And so he'll be really nice again when the conversations start mm. until he doesn't get his way and then he is like mean very mean yeah he will play you and butter you up if Casey needs you in his back pocket for court mm -hmm. or documents or to shut your mouth in case one of us reach out to you Ben was starting to show a very selfish side of himself because before I knew it, he actually comes home and tells me that he is allowed to bring Opal back to Daisy. I was surprised. I knew that it was going to be a minimum of, I believe, six to eight weeks and it had literally been two and a half, three weeks tops. How is this even allowed? He says that he contacted the CPS social worker and that she agreed that it was okay and that... Daisy had done everything that she was supposed to in order to get Opal back. That was that, and Ben, I guess, made arrangements to meet Daisy and bring Opal back. About four weeks later, while opening the mail, I see that Ben had falsely told Daisy that she was allowed to have Opal back. When that indeed was all a lie, Ben had never gotten approval to return Opal to her mother. Because of that, Opal was taken away and put into a foster home. This is how disgusting Ben is. Ben couldn't hand the responsibility of taking care of his own child, that he instead would place her in a supposed dangerous environment, then with the repercussions of now being placed in a foster home for a year. After that, Ben was marked as an unfit parent, and it was noted in his file that Opal was never allowed to reside with Ben again after what he had done. The horrible part in all of this is that Daisy had no clue that he was lying and she had to suffer the repercussions with losing her daughter over this next year. I think for me, that has been the biggest thing with him and why he attacks me the way he does, as much as he does, because I don't feed him. I learned a long time ago, I will play him a little bit because I like to rile him up. But I don't, I laugh. I'll read a text and I just laugh because it's so stupid. It's so ridiculous. It's just very, it's crazy. All of it is like, it's I mean, this I, is people, totally yeah. the kind of thing that, you know, people I mean, need to know and learn yeah. the signs, you know, and that's. Within a few days of serving Ben with the divorce paperwork, he starts acting out. 
He is moping around depressed, and I don't see him leave the house for weeks. I can tell he isn't eating because he starts to drop weight very quickly. I finally decide that it's time to tell him that he needs to find a new place to live. I want things to happen quickly and smoothly, so I approach him in a calm manner, and I tell him that I feel like it would be best for him to not have to be around me every day. I say that I can tell that my presence is making him sad and depressed, and I'm sure that he does not want Sydney to see him like this. Ben begins to cry, and he walks away from me. Every few days, I try to approach Ben with the same topic, but he repeatedly finds a way to escape the conversation. I'd finally had enough, so I try to be more stern. I told him he had until a certain date to be out. I remind him that he was the one who had done all of this and that it wasn't fair that he was acting this way after everything he had done to me. That's when things started to shift. Ben agreed to leave. But every time the date arrived, he would say that the place he had found to move out to had fallen through. I had moved back into the other bedroom that I'd previously had years back because I didn't want to be near him. I pulled the top mattress off of my bed and I drug it into the spare room to sleep on. I was hoping he would have moved out months before, especially because all that was left in that bedroom was a box spring. But nope, he actually continued to sleep on the box spring. After 30 days, I came into the room to check on him. I hadn't seen much of him that month, and when I walked into the bedroom, it was a disaster and it smelled horrible. Ben was laying there on the box spring. He had cups with spoiled milk and bowls with rotting food surrounding him on the floor. He had lost at least 30 pounds. I would have normally felt bad and concerned, but not this time. I knew that this was all a part of his poor me plan in order to buy more time and win me back. Sorry, Ben, that was not going to happen this time. I showed him no mercy. This only made his behavior escalate even more. Before I knew it, Ben was talking about killing himself and how he didn't want to live anymore. Was it because he was just trying to show you how devastated he, like trying to really yeah. drive his point home? That he, yeah. You're the love of his <clears throat> life. He oh, for sure. about you and the family. And he did the boo. same thing a year ago. And I remember Sydney telling me she was afraid, like maybe he was dead in there. She was scared. So I had to walk her into the house and I was like scared. I didn't know what I was going to find. And so I said, stay here. And I opened the door. He was laying in bed in the middle of the day with his two or three cell phones. But guess what was on the little nightstand? Weight loss, supplements, and sleeping pills. So he was purposefully creating a show. And I remember he would send me texts and show me him standing on the scale. Being like, I lost this much weight. I'm like... You did this with me. Holy fuck. You are crazy. Once again, I showed him no sympathy. I did reach out to a few of his friends and his family, and I let them know that he did need their support and that he was extremely depressed. They all tried talking sense to him, but I'm not sure what good it did because things only got worse. That's when the <laughs> I'm going to kill myself shit started <laughs> going down. Which yeah. I know all about because he's done that on many occasion. And then he'll lie and say that he's not. I done. knew it was going to be, I knew it was going to be a shit show. That's why I knew I couldn't handle it until the point that I did, until I got on my feet. But yeah, I knew it was going to be crazy. 
One day while I was at work, I received a call from Ben telling me that he just couldn't handle living anymore and that he was in the garage and that he was going to kill himself. I tried to talk him down and I told him how much Sydney loved him and that he had a whole life to live still. I told him that he had made mistakes, but he gets to have a fresh start with someone new and he will be able to make better decisions and not have all of his old baggage weighing him down anymore. Ben didn't care what I had to say. He was persistent that this was going to happen. He was going to kill himself with carbon monoxide poisoning. He sends me a picture of the hose and the funnel he had created to do this. I immediately tried to get hold of Lexis. I knew she wouldn't be walking home from school right then. I knew she would be walking home from school right then, and I did not want her to find Ben's body in the garage. But Lexis doesn't answer, and so I call the police, and I have them go to the house. I tell them that my daughter should be home any minute. Thank God the police get to Ben within minutes, and they are able to intercept Lexis before she walks into the house. Lexis is sent to her girlfriend's house, a neighborhood over, until I can figure out what's going on. Ben speaks to the police and he tells them that he really was going to kill himself. And after a lot of conversation between the police and Ben, they finally leave. Ben once again charmed his way out of going into the hospital. I had the most emotional past few hours trying to talk Ben down, make sure Lexus didn't walk in the door, reschedule my client so I could leave work, and for what? Ben seeking sympathy and getting over on everyone once again. I was so fucking pissed. He did do those things. They saw the contraption. He admitted mm -hmm. that he did it, but that he wasn't really going to do it. So oh my they were glad. They said, call us if anything happens. And he just played it exactly how he needed to. Mm -hmm. He sounded just totally fine. Mm -hmm. We put together. Yeah. He can switch. Oh God, it's a switch. It's fucking crazy. The following weeks, Ben threatens to end his life multiple times. He had created a noose to hang himself by using the chain from the children's swing set outside. My young daughter Lexis and I found him outside in the backyard, supposedly attempting to hang himself. Next mm -hmm. time, he takes the swing set chain off of the swing sets in the backyard and creates a noose and a whole thing up and over to hang himself. Where Lexi and I, you know, he's out there, it's in the dark, and he's crying out there. Where When I'm like sitting on the couch trying to watch TV, I'm like, volume up. He's like, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and finally, and then, and then Lexi's bedroom window is right above the family room so then she comes out mom what's going on so like, i'm like wait 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 and then i was like i do not want to go out there i don't i don't have the fucking energy to hear your shit anymore no no i would play into it but I then know. he's out there with it wrapped you know ready to hang himself and so lexi and i walked into that one and then so he does it right in front of a child oh he didn't wow. give a fuck it was whatever he could do to win me back Next, after he rages and freaks out, he leaves the house and swears that he's going to drive into the lake. Ben can't swim, and he knows that I was always frightened about that. I didn't play into it too much because I knew that's what he wanted me to do. Instead, I called the police again so they could handle it. I had had enough. This emotional roller coaster was absolutely toxic, and I knew that my children and myself could not be around this anymore. I decided to call his mother and his two best friends that he knew since he was a young child growing up. 
I explained to them what was going on and that the police had been to the house multiple times. They knew he was in a bad way from the conversations they had with him on their own. We all agreed that we would talk with Ben all together and talk things through to help him create a plan to get into a healthier mental place. We were basically trying to stage an intervention. But I am not sure who tipped Ben off because he ends up finding out before his friends arrive to the house and he completely loses his shit. His friend who he grew up with, who actually was living in Renton, was supposed to come up and help me. And I think one was going to be there or call on the phone or like be there. They knew he was fucked up. He was in a bad way. And so, yeah, after that, he caught wind somehow. Was like, don't fucking come. I swear to God. Said something. And so he didn't. And I'm just like, where the fuck is he? Because well, I thought maybe, anything, it'd be good for his friend to be there for, so he can act out or act like a crazy motherfucker. Well, maybe the friends texted him and he got suspicious. Like, oh, hey, buddy, you okay? Or like, they, they might have said something and yeah. tipped him I off. Did not contact his dad. I think I left a voice message, but they never called me back. But I, I said what I had to say on the voice recording. Said, your son's not doing well. And, and did you say the divorced. reason you're divorced? Because yes. he cheated. Yeah. So they all knew. Got there. He hated it. Yeah. He did not want his dad to know anything about him being doing anything negative. Yeah. And so his mom knew for sure. And she was sad and disappointed in him. And he wasn't, he had to admit it. I would make him admit everything right in front of me with her there because he had created so many scheming lies with everything for years that there was no way that I was going to believe that he was telling anybody the truth. Yeah. So by the time that happens, he runs upstairs and he says he's going to go kill himself. He has all these pills he's gonna swallow and kill himself he did that a handful of times actually i remember us arguing about that yeah like, well, she's it does sound crazy did. it does it is crazy because it is but you're he, crazy he as fuck <laughs> and you did do all these things or threatened to do all these yeah. things and i, I got know. so over it that i was like 911 i that's abuse yeah threatening oh. that you're gonna kill yourself all the fucking time to put yeah. that on me it's so fucking emotionally draining it's so fucked up and especially when you have children <sighs> in the house Ben starts screaming and yelling and punching holes into the closet door and throwing things around the house. I tell him to calm down, but he is enraged. The things he says to me scare the shit out of me. I tell Ben that I'm calling the police. I'm officially scared that he's going to kill all of us. I call his friends to see if they are almost at the house and they won't answer my calls. Ben proceeds to cry while slobbering and screaming death threats at me. He tells me that the only way he is leaving my home is if they carry out his dead body. I grab my phone and tell him that I'm calling 911. That's when Ben runs upstairs and he locks my bedroom door. I think he might actually kill himself this time, so I follow him to the bedroom, but I can't get in. I'm knocking on the door and I'm pleading with him to not take his life. After 10 minutes, Ben still refuses to open the door. I can't hear him and I am panicked. I run downstairs to grab my phone and I call the police. That's when I hear my sister Jessica's voice. Her, Lexus, and Sydney had arrived home while I was upstairs pleading with Ben to open the door and I hadn't even realized that they were back. Suddenly, I see police lights in front of my home. I turn towards my sister and I ask her if she had called the police. She says no and we were both confused. I hear a knock on the door, and before I answer, I tell my sister to take the girls into the back bedroom downstairs and shut the door. I don't want them hearing anything. I led the two officers into my home. One was female, one male. The female officer goes upstairs to speak with Ben. The male officer stays downstairs to speak with me. 
I asked who called them because I was about to call them right before Ben had run upstairs, but that I thought he might attempt to kill himself, and so I went to stop him first before making the phone call. I asked if the neighbors heard the yelling and called. And that's when the police officer tells me that Ben had called them and told them that his wife was acting irrational because he had cheated on her and that I was being overly aggressive with him and I was trying to kick him out of his house. My body's internal temperature immediately raised. I could feel my skin boiling hot. I knew my cheeks must have been bright red. I looked at the officer in disbelief. I could not believe what I was hearing. Next, I explained everything that had really transpired. Even my daughter Lexis ran into the room and blurted out all the things that she had witnessed those past few months. That's when the female officer walks down the steps and starts to put me in my place. She tells me that I have no authority to kick Ben out of my home. Next, she says that if Ben receives mail here, and if I want him out, that I will need to evict him. She speaks down to me like I am the bad guy. I become irate, and I tell her to check their police logs and see how many 911 calls that I have made recently due to him trying to kill himself or because he was being aggressive towards me. The female officer continues to dismiss everything I tell her. I can't believe what's happening. I just start crying. Before she walks away, I look her straight in the eye and I tell her that the next time she comes out, it will probably be after he has killed me. That's when she leaves and she goes to her squad car and returns with a domestic violence pamphlet. She hands it to me and simply walks away. What? All the place? <laughs> Who found yeah. all the place? It was so... I, I was just like, what? And then... I just couldn't even fucking believe that he had called them. I... Uh, it's like why why would he call them on you like to one up you to not get out of my house he was like i cheated on her i fucked up he's like but she's losing her shit she's fucking going crazy she's putting her hands on me she's being fucking aggressive with me she's trying to kick me out of my house but she needs to know that she can't kick me out of my house she's fucking going crazy and the kids are here and the kids weren't even there not yet at um least. you never did put him on the title right no hell no Oh yes, my God, he texted my parents and said, please come get her. And I'm like, what in the hell? I woke up that oh, morning, yeah. my parents like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, what the hell is going on? They're like, he just texted all of us. He texted and my family too. Yeah. Telling and them that I parents, was like crazy, going yeah. crazy. And I was yes. really depressed and suicidal. And I'm yeah. like, they called what? me and they're like, they're like, are you yeah. okay? I'm like, yeah. And then I was like, that motherfucker. Then I was pissed. Yeah. I was like, I'll and show you crazy. Him. I will show you crazy. He locked himself in the bedroom. And I remember like, get the fuck out. You just called my parents. And like, what are you doing? And my parents said, just call the cops. He's losing his shit. They're like, I don't feel safe with you with him. And so I called the police. The police kicked me out of my home. I was like, I'm the one that called you. I'm the one that feels unsafe. And he had the audacity to say, Mr. Ben's last name. He <laughs> has a long drive home up to Seattle and it's important that he goes back and gets enough sleep so it's safe for him to drive. So we're going to have to ask you to leave the house. And I'm like, and it's Was important. Was this an organ? Yeah. I go, so I go, so you're telling me to leave my house after I called you because I'm unsafe and Mr. Oh. Ben needs his beauty sleep. What in the hell just happened? And he flipped it on me. Like 
he that's what he did the the male officer stayed down with me the female went upstairs and talked to him she came back downstairs and started uh, like putting me in my place like ma'am like like not yelling at me but very stern yeah loud ma'am i don't know what you're thinking about you think you're gonna kick him out of the house blah blah, blah. and she like went off on me i was just like what the fuck is happening I've called 911 so many times because of him. You know that. The other time was he tried to kill himself and drive his vehicle into the lake. So they had to do an APB and find him. They tracked his debit card spendings to know what the city was, area code. They found him and they're like, it's okay, it's okay. Like, you talk to him and he's safe and he's promised to go get help. Do you remember, that was a big, remember you told me about the lake situation and he denied it and denied it to me. Like, cause it just, it sounds so off the wall. Like he's like, would I ever drive my car into, like they would have found my car in the river if I would have done that, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, she's delusional, Amber. I never ever did that. That next week I record short videos of Ben's behavior and his living conditions. Next, I print off the paperwork to evict Ben. I let him know that this is happening one way or the other and that I'm going to show everyone the videos, tell everyone what he did to me, and that he is refusing to leave my home. I remind him that the eviction will go on his rental history record. That's when he finally agrees to leave. Two weeks later, Ben moves out. They're making me legally a victim. And so that'll go on his record and he didn't want that. So he finally agreed to do it. And then he would make up things they couldn't and things fell through and finally his ass was out. Within a week or two, I was notified that he was even back on Match.com before our divorce was finalized. And I couldn't have been more thrilled. I hope the distraction of the other women would help taper off his obsession with me, but it didn't. He got up to go take a shower, and I still didn't trust him in scheming, so his phone was there. So I looked on there, and he was already <laughs> on Match.com. So as he was, oh my god, I'm miserable and I'm dying. Unfortunately, throughout those several months, Ben had refused to sign the divorce papers. He told me he was going to make me wait until the year mark and then go to trial. Although Ben was gone from my home, he still frequently showed up unannounced often. He tracked everywhere I went. Every time I would leave the house, he would be right there. Ben's erratic behavior had escalated after he moved out, and I knew I needed something to make me feel mentally and physically strong so I could make it out of this divorce still standing. I decided to try a kickboxing class at a local martial arts studio. I left my home to attend my very first class, and I immediately saw that Ben was waiting outside of my home. He was monitoring my movements as usual. He once again tried to stop me from leaving the house with excuses of needing to speak to me, but I quickly got into my car and locked it. When I tried to drive away, he saw that my driver's side window was halfway down and he tried to rip my car keys out of the ignition. I managed to get away, but he quickly pursued me in his vehicle. Ben followed me and was aggressively trying to run me off the road. Thankfully, I made it to the parking lot of the gym. I quickly jumped out and I ran towards the building. Ben flew into the parking lot a split second after me. He didn't even park. He just jumped out of his SUV in the street and ran toward me. 
Thankfully, a man inside the gym saw what was happening and he quickly opened the door to the kickboxing gym. I made it inside just as Ben reached out to grab me. I knew Ben's ego would not allow others to publicly see that side of him. So once I was inside, I felt that he would stop coming for me and that I would be safe. The man who had opened the door asked if I was okay. I don't remember much except that my heart was pounding and my adrenaline was through the roof. I walked up to their front desk, I signed up, I put on some boxing gloves, and I took my first class. And that first step forever changed me. It's like he must have been tracking my phone because I'd be like headed out or my calendar would probably say what I'm doing. And then he would pull right up as I'm about to leave or come right out of the house. It was Mm -hmm. weird. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, it's none of your business where I'm going. Like, so he's like trying to talk to me, trying to talk to me, trying to talk to me. And he did this a few times when I was talking on the phone. He tried to rip the phone out of my hand. Ben is screaming at me and yelling at me and running and trying to like stop my car to get into my window. Yeah. So that was one time. The next time he's checking on me and he's trying to see where I'm going. And so I won't stop. And so he tries to rip the car keys out of my car. And then, yeah, he just jumps in his SUV on my ass, trying to get into the other lane, telling me to pull over, pull over, trying to drive me off the road. And thank God I go through the the stoplight right there and make it through. And he doesn't because it's too big of an intersection. And I just fucking ran in and this guy saw me coming. He just like opened the door and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, fuck, he's going to kill me. But I can't say that because I'm really embarrassed. But I really need to beat some ass in your class, thanks. Highly suggest that for anyone. Exercise of some sort or just feeling strong and empowered, like you can protect yourself, learning the combos, the punches, the kicks, like that right there Mm -hmm. was the perfect exercise for me with being pushed to let it out mentally, physically. Month after month, I continue to deal with Ben's crazy and scary behavior. He constantly begs and pleads for me to give him another chance. I know that he has trackers on my car as usual. I try to search for them, but I'm unable to find them most of the time. I finally come to the realization that he is going to completely drag this out to the one-year mark and that we were going to have to go to trial because he is still refusing to sign the divorce documents. I come up with an idea and I tell him that if I am ever to give him another chance in the future, we would need to start fresh from the very beginning. I tell him that our marriage had been tainted and it needs to end. Next, I said, if he really felt that strongly about trying again, that he would do the right thing by me and he would sign off on the divorce paperwork. I told him that that was the only way that I would ever give things a shot again. Of course, I knew there was no chance in hell I was ever going back. But I needed to do and say whatever was necessary so that this nightmare would be over. May of 2013, when it finally was finalized. So why so long? Child support. It's a worksheet. They get all of our tax documents. Can't lie, can't hide from it. And he was set to pay me almost $1,100 a month for what he made. Yeah, and so he did not want to have it finalized because that would mean the payments would start right then and there. He didn't want to not be married to me, you know? So it was like his last ditch hope. My plan had worked in my favor and Ben agreed to all of the terms of the parenting plan, but he didn't want to pay the ordered amount of child support. We still end up going to the pretrial hearing at the King County Courthouse. And while we were at the hearing, Ben tells me that if I would take half the amount of money that the judge had previously ordered him to pay, 
that he would sign the divorce papers right then. I agreed. I wanted out. The judge accepted the signed orders, and I was a free woman. Or so I thought. Finally gave in and signed it, and I made it all about Sydney and him being healthy and protecting her. And the judge called us up, and he asked him all these things to his face. He asked him about the steroid abuse about letting me have these, you know, options to keep her protected. And he said, absolutely. And he's like, are you sure? And he said, yes, because I'm never going to use ever again. And I have no problem having that in there to keep her safe because it'll never be necessary. And he said, okay. And then he said to me, this Nazarian, what's the reason for you going off to a different dollar amount for the child support? And I couldn't say, oh, well, he won't sign it unless I do. I wanted to. But he said, do I need to talk to you in private quarters? And I said, no. So then he says, this is half the dollar amount. You're wanting to settle for that? And I said, yeah. So he never paid you the 1100 Because he told me this entire time no. that he was paying you 1100 Oh, God. The entire no. time he was with me, he said no. he paid you 1100 until... He paid me five like, to $600 a month if he paid me. And now, your red flag, not so fun fact. Divorce is one of the most stressful times in a person's life. When dealing with a potentially violent spouse or ex-spouse, the stress is exponentially greater. So knowing how to protect yourself during divorce and your children from physical or psychological abuse is of primary importance. And it is extremely critical that you know your options when faced with a violent or potentially violent partner. The first thing you need to do is start keeping track of every type of communication you have with this person. So I don't care if it's an email, a text, a handwritten note, make sure you save anything that comes across as some type of threat or makes you feel that this person is dangerous or could harm you in any way. Therefore, when you go to actually get a restraining order to protect yourself, you will have proof in a much easier time getting a restraining order granted. This restraining order will hopefully discourage someone from committing an act of violence, but it cannot prevent that. So just know that the real value in having restraining order is to have that paper trail so that others will see the pattern of behavior that your significant other is showing. Also, they will have to face repercussions if they continue to stalk, threaten, or commit any type of harm towards yourself or those listed on that restraining order. Now, aside from protecting yourself or your loved ones, it might be a good idea to protect your valuables. Now, we're talking important documents like your birth certificate, maybe your social security card, a passport, any legal paperwork. In addition to that, any jewelry, anything that was gifted to you or you inherited, anything irreplaceable because unfortunately, divorce can bring out the worst in people and it is not surprising to hear stories of the man or woman you're divorcing, taking your things, pawning it for money, or just simply destroying it in an effort to upset you. Now, safety plan is also crucial, so always have a safe place prepared if possible. Another great idea is to change up your routine if you are being stalked by your soon-to-be ex-spouse. Therefore, take a different route. If you are walking home from work, taking the bus, exercising, try to mix things up a little bit. Next, make sure that your home is secure. Change your locks. I know it's easier said than done, a lot of the time, I didn't have a dime to my name to actually hire a locksmith nor buy a new deadbolt for my front door. So if that's the case, 
look into some type of interior security measure. You can even borrow a friend or family member's dog to hang out with you and stay over. I have a German Shepherd if anybody wants to borrow him. Another great idea is to make sure your windows are completely locked at night, even on the second floor. And make sure that the locks actually work on those windows. And if not, make sure that you have some type of security guard put in place to make sure that this person cannot enter your home through a window. Now, in addition to keeping all of the text messages, threats, conversations that I spoke about, make sure you keep a record of any other type of abuse that is happening. Keep a log that details every incident of violence or threats of violence. And on that note, if you feel like your soon-to-be ex-spouse is showing up in places that you know they could not have known where you would be, make sure that you go to a website or go to a car dealership and find a way to either, like I said, do it yourself or have somebody else help you. Look under your wheel wells, look under your car, make sure that they don't have any type of magnetic tracking device on your vehicle or any type of spyware on your phone. Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. Now that I have covered the time frame between my and Ben's first date all the way through the day I can actually finalize our divorce, it is time to fast forward one more year ahead to 2014 where Amber and Ben meet. And because Ben and I share Sydney, I am most definitely and sadly intertwined into that relationship as well. Poor, poor Amber. I promise you guys, I really did want to warn her, but selfishly, I was excited that I would get to have a little break from Ben stalking and harassing me. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.